ladies and gentlemen, you have made it to Brave to the Bone podcast, where we explore the dynamics of human courage in its most dynamic form, personal transformation. What does it take to dive into the unknown of ourselves? Who can help us get there? How scary is it to face our own edge? And what are the magic tools that we can use today to explore ourselves on this journey of healing just a little bit more? Today, I had the absolute privilege of interviewing Dr. Harrison Jones. He is a leader in education and author of I Used to Hate School. He's currently working on another book about limitless leadership. He was a principal for many years for schools with at-risk teens, and now he teaches teachers how to educate students with total compassion. In many ways, he's been single-handedly breaking the school-to-prison pipeline for minority ethnicities and troubled youth who often get stuck in the system at a young age. He dives into why this happens, why our prisons are full, and what we can do as compassionate leaders to make a change. He teaches us a lot about spiritual values, about love, and a lot about forgiveness. Enjoy. Dr. Jones, thank you so much for coming to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing now? Well, I appreciate the invite. First of all, it's good to meet you, uh, Tanya. I'm brave to the bone. So um, just looking at you know my life over the past uh, 20 years of just being out of college and being out of high school as an adult, you know, there's a lot of things that going to the University of Texas, I, I was there, got, got a scholarship there. I went there, I ran track there, I went to uh, on to be a math teacher, and uh, I served as a math teacher, in high school math teacher in Houston, Texas, for six years in uh, Langham Creek High School, and I loved it. I always wanted to be, um, I saw what was going on in school, I saw how much impact you could have as a teacher on a regular basis on the lives of students. I think I had 100 120 to 130 students a year. I was able to coach basketball and and run and coach a track. And then I got the opportunity. I said, well, I'm going to go ahead and work on my master's degree. And uh, I went and got a master's degree in Lamar University, became an assistant principal, was an assistant principal in uh, two different uh, in Colleen, Texas, for several years. And I went to be a high school principal in uh, Corpus Christi, uh, West Oslo High School for a couple of years. Then I went to Austin ISD, and then I went to Kuwait in the Middle East to be a high school principal out there. And now I'm currently a professor, assistant professor at Grandma State University. And one of the things over my entire career, you know, I was looking at um, what am I going to do to make change? You know, as far as a teacher, as far as a uh, principal, all these things were very important. So one, the key thing that I did was I started and I wrote a book and a book wrote, I used to hate school. And this basically tells my story. And I used to hate school. It's, it's a movement. It's, it's a, it's a theme. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an idea that, you know, we all have been to school. We all know what we say, but my whole idea is that I believe that there is a genius in every student. And that's one of the things I've noticed over the past 16 years of my teaching, you know, there were teachers that would, move towards finding a genius in the student. You can see them powerful and empowering their kids and you can see other teachers that work. So I want to remind teachers and remind everybody that there's a genius in every student, that we all have a gift, that we all have a talent that we can do because it's important if we want to bring equality and all those things to help our kids because like we were sharing our stories earlier, 
imagine being a kid and having someone like us come to them, tell them stories, and it's always going to make an impact. And then I believe that there's a joy in every staff, that everyone can be a great staff, everyone can be powerful, everyone can make change, everyone can work together and, uh, and, and create something, um, something valuable that's able to change the world. Yeah, well, first of all, I think you as a principal, you must have been the coolest principal in the history of the world. <laughs> and just they walked away from every time. So I don't know how they went the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the fact that I just find that people who have a story to share and then they, they get into that career, it makes it so valuable. So that book that you just showed me, it says, um, it says, I hate school but the used to is kind of drawn in an arrow before so i just i just love the way that that cover looks and it's just such a such a fantastic idea can um you tell us about who what you teach as a professor now uh right now i actually teach teachers i'm an education uh, professor in the curriculum instruction department and uh one of the reasons i chose to work at Grambling state university was during my time at lamar university i learned uh, my my major study was because I was under multicultural education uh, for my leadership position. My major studies was based on <clears throat> multicultural and bringing equity and, and change to uh, education. And, and while I was doing my research, I started to follow upon the school to prison pipeline. This was back in 2013, 2014. And I was an assistant principal at the um, alternative school in Colleen, Texas at the time, where all the students would come that were removed from the campus. So we had four big high schools there and we had a campus filled with students that was from all the campuses. Just the, just the students that you would just had behaviorally challenged. And we then they would sometimes fall through the cracks. And a lot of times they'd end up in juvenile systems. And the thing that they got kicked out of their main school was for maybe, you know, not sleeping in class. So they slept in class, got kicked out, got sent to the alternative school. They see a kid that they don't like that bullies them. They end up fighting the kid in the alternative school. Next thing you know, that kid's in the juvenile justice system for fighting at the alternative school. Now so they're kind of- did you just say what, what you became aware of was the school to prison pipeline? Is that what you said? Yeah. So I, I've never heard of that before. So that's a, a thing. That's a, can you explain that a little bit more? I mean, I know you just well, did that. Well, we talk about, you know, if we want to say, you know, there's a, we say pipeline, it's, it's a track that these right. students have to get on. And we, uh, it's what the idea is that that pipeline disproportionately affects our minority students, Hispanic and black males, and in particularly Hispanic black males. That's what I did my study on was because these students were increasingly being sent to school and then they get into minor uh, issues at school, maybe get in a fight or get into disciplinary issues at school. And all of the things they would do would lead to uh, criminal offenses. So if you look at some of the things like um, back when I first started as a principal, we had students that would get truancy charges. So they would end up getting truancy charges. They have to go to court. Once they went to court, they might not go to court, might go to court not, but they have a fine. Now, if they don't go to court, they're going to fine. They get a ticket. Now they're in the juvenile system again. And these students, and it was for attendance. There was a, you know, classroom disruption. And these kids were getting tickets for profanity. This was back in that day. Now they've changed the rules in Texas now. But kids were getting tickets for profanity, for dress code. And they were ending up in, the, in front of judges to take care of that stuff. And then, you know, it, depending on what the situation was, you know where they would end up, you know, the alternative school. And once you know when, school, when students are expelled, and that was the main thing, is that 
we have to address the way we do behavioral everything in schools, you know, because our system is just, it's just doesn't, it's the old system. It's based off of what was done back in the way back in, you know, the 70s, 60s, when everybody was industrialized. But we need to have a system now that's more positive behavior, more mindfulness, more structured for building an entire child. We got to get away from saying, oh, this kid is bad, so they're not going to be able to do anything in their life. We got to say, you can still grow. You can still be a great kid. You can still do this. All you have to do is look within yourself to grow yourself and to do this. And we have to start with that with early, you know. We have to start being, teaching our kids how to use their thoughts to grow themselves. But one thing I was noticing that the disciplinary system, when you expel a kid, you suspend them, more that, more that they're out of school, the higher chance they have to drop out of school. And we don't want our students to drop out. We don't want them to end up in dropout because guess what? The students that drop out from school, they end up in the streets. Whether we end up criminal, ended up more into more criminality, and then we end up those students have more criminality, they end up more into the program. And guess what? We get mass incarceration. And so people say, how are we going to end mass incarceration? Well, let's start with the schools. Let's wow. start with the school to prison pipeline. Let's end the school to prison pipeline. Change the whole way. We teach our kids, we need to figure out something different with the way we discipline our students on campuses in the school to prison pipeline that will directly have an impact on mass incarceration. And wow. if we end the war on drugs too, but that's a whole other story too. Wow, well, that is amazing. So, I mean, thank you so much for diving into that with your full heart um, in your lifetime. Can you uh, take us back to who you were as a child and maybe how you were inspired to, to run this direction with such a passion? I will say I loved my life as a child. My parents were beautiful. You know, they are, my dad is actually a retired military officer uh, and even 37 years in the military. He actually retired a couple of, couple of days, weeks ago, you know, and uh, was able to kind of celebrate that. And then my mom was a counselor and she's also a teacher as well. I actually got the opportunity to work with my mom and my dad. Now we actually have a business, an education consulting firm together now. But um, one of the things was that when I grew up, you know, I noticed how they were just a servant attitude their whole life. They were both members of Phi Beta Sigma, my fraternity, my, dad, my mom was a Zeta Phi Beta sorority. You know, they were always doing service. They were always looking to help others, you know, and their attitudes um, in, in spirituality. You know, I grew up in the Institute of Divine Metaphysical Research, and they're still a part of it. But we studied metaphysics and all that my entire life, religion and science. So I kind of got an idea of how the world works as far as beyond the flesh. And so I grew up knowing these things, and I learned all these things my entire life. But now when you come into this kind of a you know, period of where what's going on in the world, things are starting to be more clear and you get a lot more uh, adept to what you're actually supposed to be doing. So when I have that research and that studies from the metaphysics that we're getting older and practicing more spirituality, practicing meditations, and you're starting to see all these things manifest for ourselves and, and your reality and the stuff comes together. And so it's just beautiful. You know, I'm excited about what I'm going to learn. I'm I'm just sitting back now, and I was telling my friend earlier. I was like, I, I'm amazed at what I've been learning. For I, not, I always tell people the best way to learn something is to teach it, you know. And that's the best way. And I tell all my teachers, if your students can teach it back to you, they've got it. So I think the best way to learn something is to start teaching it. So figure it out, study it, and share the information with someone else. And that's the best thing I can do for anyone. And so I try to do and share as much information as I know. And then I learn more information. I can, I 
chew it up, and I spit it back out. And then, you know, the more I talk about it, the better I feel. That's what I do. I, I recognize that everything I've done as far as education has got me to this point where now I can speak and talk and help people. That's so wonderful about your parents and having that introduction to spirituality and connection. Did you always just think it was awesome or were in the beginning when you were younger, did you rebel against it? Well, you know, in the, I grew up very conservative as well. So it wasn't like a freedom type. It was more of a, this is what you do, whether you go to hell, you either go to lake, you know, to hell or you go to heaven. You know, we still had that mentality. And that was tough for me because, you know, you're a kid and you grow up and you do something bad, you think you're going to hell, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you, I, you put the guilt on yourself. And so you didn't, you know, I really never expressed this out publicly, but when you're a kid, you're thinking, man, I feel guilty because I, I want to go out doing this. I want to go party. But you put, but you have to put up that persona that you're a goodly child. You can't be doing these things. And so, you know, I think a big part of growing up, we have to do for a lot of people is not put our pressure on a lot of people to do right and not wrong. Cause when we say, if you do good, you're going to go to hell, do that. You're going to go to heaven, you know, or opposite good, bad, heaven, hell, you know, having that, 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 that space right there where you can't, you have to pick one side or the other and you're going to go bad or good. That's a lot of pressure on a kid, you know? And I think we just need to stop. Like that has a, we got to stop telling not everybody, you know, whatever religion practice people do, but, you got to think about how much pressure it is on someone to be good, you know, like, and that's, that was a lot, you know, so, but I had a good, you know, uh, upbringing as far as hating it. No, I can't say I hated my brother. I love my parents. I mean, they always helped me. They were, I mean, I was truly uh, honored to be a part of their lives. I know they created me. And so I'm just ready to be, do whatever they have me to do, whatever they, <laughs> whatever they want me to do. So I'm excited for making them proud. Do you have any brothers or sisters? I have a younger sister. Uh, she's actually an attorney right now. And uh, Colleen, she graduated from Duke. Proud of her, too. Wow. Uh, she's actually part of our firm, too. Um, she's a, uh, she's a Portia Talley. She has Portia Talley Law in Colleen, Texas, if y'all are Wow. <laughs> she, uh, she's um, also was a French teacher as well. So she, wow, cool. We're all combining our educational powers, educational expertise, and leadership expertise, mediation expertise, counseling expertise. All these expertise go under one umbrella. And you know, speaking of my sister, you know, we have my dad. He's a he's retired, but he's working with our. He's a mediator. He's the lead mediator, coach, and then my mom is a counselor. She does enrichment services. My sister is lawyer. She also does small business uh, help, and I do. I'm, I'm a motivational speaker. And so what we do combined is pieces are uh, pieces is positive interventions, educational consulting and enrichment services. And we just pick up the pieces and we're going to bring peace to everyone. So that's our cold goal. But it's a beautiful thing just to be able to work with my parents and we talk about how we're going to do great things. And I'm excited to, you know, it's it's just everything is coming together at the same time. You know, this is a good day, really. So you, you got me exactly. on a good day. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so you were talking about the dichotomy of, um, you know, being hard on our kids when we're young about going to hell, going to heaven. How did you change your understanding of your spirituality to have such a compassionate heart as you look at children now? It took talking to people. You have to meet people. You have to talk to people that you don't never would talk to. And I think the biggest part, and we say this all the time, you go to college 
when you go to college, you're going to meet all kinds of different people from diverse areas of the world. And you have to learn from other people, you know, um, you have to have those conversations. My roommate was from mid, uh, India. My first roommate was there and, you know, we had a wellness floor. My art re- resident assistant, uh, resident assistant, he was, uh, he was homosexual. You know, at first I didn't think that was good. Homosexual was bad. And I was like, I'm glad I met these people in my life because I look back at myself when I was young and I'm like, man, why was I thinking this way? You know, it's kind of like eye-opening. Like, why would I ever judge someone else because of the choices that they make? That we can't even, I can't even control. I didn't feel like I can control all the choices I made in my life. And I'm going to judge someone else because of the choices that they make in their life. I knew I couldn't do that anymore. We have to stop doing that. Like, it makes no sense. When all of us come out of the same place, we all come out of a mother, we all come out of a belly. We all breathe the same air. We all look, we all have the same body composition, but the only difference is we we make choices that are different or color of our skin and all those things or what we decide to worship. And we have no real, you know, real, no, it really doesn't even matter anymore. I don't think any of that, like the biggest part about this whole ideal is that our existence is just an adventure it's life you know people choose their paths you know if you choose to go the lebron james path and you want to be an nba then that's cool if you choose to go the barack obama path be the president that's cool but do the best you can and then if you do it again keep doing it keep doing it just keep being better and keep doing dope stuff for the rest of your life i think that's the way we should look at life because no matter what we're going to live forever anyway i'm I stop. If you change the way we look at death, because all all together, like, what does that even mean? Because people say, well, death is just a transition. And why do we even use that word if it has such a negative connotation? You should be able to die every single day. You should die every moment. When you have a leaf fall off the tree, we don't say the whole tree dies. But something dies on there and it changes and it has something that's growing. So we have to continue to grow and understand that death is just a part of life. So you're saying that in a way we all are one of that big tree. Right. The tree is everything, but the leaf fell down and it goes in the ground, but did it leave the tree? It's going right back into the tree, just where it came from. I mean, it's the same way with life. You know, if a tree falls off, if a leaf falls off a tree, it's not going to just disappear. It's still going to be in the unit. Everything is one. So it's still going to be here. It doesn't just go away. I mean, where would it go? It's the universe. Everything is the same. So mm-hmm. you can't look at death the same way as we do before. And that's, it's good because you can even feel nowadays people are, I mean, we can see when we have great men like John Lewis, you know, he was a great guy. And you could tell, just look at the in, the energy that people have, like in Congress or those type of, when you listen to some of the, the younger congressmen, you could tell their, their, their fire, their vigor has his spirit in them. And you could tell that he was always in them, but now you can see why they're so angry, like you can hear some, like if you pay attention to the floor of Congress, I've no, I've never seen this many senators screaming on the floor, the Democrats yelling at the Republicans. I was like, okay, so they got the fire and they feel it now. They got something that's pushing them. And we all know that same spirit is all around us. We all have the same self, same spirit. Now, if we understand that, we'll get everything because it'll, it'll, it'll make sense for everybody. But it's hard to say that because we still have that, that divide that we create ourselves and we have one person has to be superior to another, which is that's impossible. 
Yeah, you said that um, you were interested in doing the podcast because the name of you saw Brave to the Bone and that really resonated with you. And it makes me think about the courage required to allow that fire that you're talking about into the body. Yeah, well, you know, I look at some things like I have people that I admire, you know, from the past. I look at like individuals like Malcolm X and and uh, even I watched a movie just recently uh, with Fred Hampton, um, Judas and the Black Messiah, and I'm looking at them. They had no fear about what they wanted to say. No fear, no trepidation. They knew they were going to die. They knew that what they were saying could get their life taken, but they still did it. They still were brave enough to move forward and to move and to help people discover who they were in this time. You know, it wasn't in the, in the thing about them they were selfless. They weren't saying, oh, I'm going to do this because I want to be on TV every day and I want to do this. They were like, we got to help people. And those genuine people that are in our society get, end up getting killed or taken out. But they knew the sacrifice that they had to make from the very beginning. That's one thing I noticed. And a lot of times it's, um, it's tough, you know, because we don't want to take those steps because we know what the end result could be, even here in America, because we don't have the best reputation for keeping Black leaders in power. But I think um, we need to address the uh, way we, what we allow as far as law enforcement and government and all that stuff, because we need to start holding people accountable. You know, I, I think with, with the death of George Floyd and, you know, he's on trial, the guy's on trial now and all those things, it just, in the, the freeing of Breonna Taylor's, uh, the guys that, the, the guys that killed shot Breonna Taylor, they're still free. You know, it's kind of like, well, when are we going to start holding the government accountable? Right? And then what does that look like? Like, what does that look like? Voting is voting because obviously we still haven't arrested the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. And Kamala Harris has been vice president for how many weeks now? Why is that not happening? She put it on her, uh, put it on the uh, Facebook, on her Twitter. So why are they not arrested? You know, we got to start asking ourselves, why is it? that we still have people getting locked up for marijuana charges in the United States of America. We got to start saying this, uh, like, because it doesn't make sense because the whole Democratic Party said they wanted to change it anyway. We run the country, right? I mean, the Democrats do, not we, but they run the country. So I think we just have to start being more accountable to our government, and that has, that's going to take a lot of bravery. And I feel yeah. like even now, all the CIA ain't watching me now coming to get me out of the pocket. <laughs> You know, I do. Inter it's so funny because I do interview a lot of doctors on this podcast and a lot of previous prison inmates and the shit that they go through. Excuse my language. The stuff that human beings have to survive in prison is unbelievable. Um, it's just it's just crazy. So my heart is totally right with you. I'd like to ask um, you're such an inspirational leader and you've got to you know, touch a lot of people's lives. Can you tell us a little bit about um, maybe a few um, youth stories of people that were on a, the wrong track who probably didn't have anybody to give them a message of truth into, into living who they fully were meant to be um, and that you kind of had the opportunity to, to meet with and, and um, redirect? Oh, man. Uh... <laughs> You know, it's hard because I want to call anybody out because they be watch, they they watch my stuff. They're not right, like, 
<laughs> right. So uh, I'll say, Theoretically, maybe. you know, you want to talk to your students and help them all out. And, you know, I think the opportunity I had at the alternative school was the most enriching one. Because I had a lot of students that just were really, really, really off, off. Just had a poor, you know, they had poor upbringings. Their, their family members were in and out of jail, and so when they came to school, they didn't have a lot, of, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of support. You know, a lot of things that they have to do. And so I have students that would be in my office um, on a regular basis to come and talk and and to get things done. And and some students they'll come stop me in a Walmart and say, Doctor Jones, um, not Doctor back then, Mister Jones, but uh, Mister Jones, you know, I got this. I got a. I got a, a job. I'm here. You know, sometimes you see them at jobs that they'll be on TV and they'll be doing great things. And um, um, there's so many stories, you know, I, I, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, this guy, this guy, you know, I'm just calling him in my head, but I can't really even particular pick out one. That's wonderful. We'll so what, what about Kuwait? What, what happened there? How'd you end up in Kuwait? So, when I was, you know, we have uh, what we call uh, student loans and we have stuff that we have to take care of in life. And my goal was to travel the world. And so we have to think two different things. And so I wanted to go into uh, overseas and it was either, I was thinking China, Middle East, Africa, you know, you want to travel around because once you get on that side of the world, I actually have a part of my book where I talk about traveling internationally, work internationally. But um you want to see the world. You know, I think the biggest part of being in the human experience is to experience the entire planet, at least the planet, because I'm trying to go to Mars. If we can, I can. <laughs> I guess so. But um, the, uh, you know, it's just, I had the opportunity out there to be a principal at high school. Uh, it was a bilingual school. Um, and so I had some issues as far as, you know, uh, they're a private school, so they had some issues with, uh, you know, was it money type stuff? You know, Middle East private school is a little bit different because they're very rich and they are very traditional. And a lot of it's all about money. And I'll say that. That's why I came back to work at Grambling. I felt like yeah. this is where I'm needed as far as attachment to my, uh, where I grew up. I grew up, I was born in Louisiana. And so it's uh, a school where, actually down the street from my parents grew up, so. That's what made me come back to, to uh, Louisiana. So that's where you're at right now? Uh, now I'm in Texas. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. yeah the social distancing, you know. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have to be, one day they actually want us to go back. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to be in the, sitting in the COVID area with a lot of students from all over the world with potential to infect me. So I'll just wait until I get my vaccine and see what happens. I don't know. When did your book get published? Oh, man. Uh, June, oh, it was August of 2019. Wow. Do you have another book in mind that you're planning on writing? Uh, actually, I have a few books right now. Uh, I have one book that I'm currently completing. It's called The Laws of Limitless Leadership. Wow. And it's based off of the principles of leadership that have helped me as a, as a leader throughout my life. And it's basically, you know, just actually... It's a combination of spirituality and leadership. How can you do that in a, like an environment where everyone will be able to trust you? Because you have to be able to. Because we talk about people like Phil Jackson and Coach K and and all these big coaches and these leaders or that or even Obama. That's my favorite one. But how do they get come to that point? And these are the things that they do. You could tell they have spiritual principles. Like I could, you could tell. I don't know if people know 
I know Barack Obama's spiritual, but I just know, I can tell, I mean, just look at him and just talk to him. You know how he feels about everybody. You know, we can, yes, we can. It was a whole existence. Everything was the same. Everybody was good, you know, and he was going to help all the people. And so I think we need to start addressing that and start putting, stop putting so much stock into what we, what we think we say, and you know, it's on the back of the dollar bill and part putting more stock into who we are and our mindfulness and what's real and not what's fake, what's actually in front of us. And that's the next person next to us and our own person. And if we want to be able to care for anybody, it should be the human person or the being that's right next to us or, you know, that's natural. But a lot of times we don't show it. Beautiful. I mean, amazing. Can you um, share with me if I were wanting to be, um, you know, a, a leader that's um, more limitless, um, what is a few tips and advice for people out there that want to become a little bit more defined as um, leaders and living in their, their own light and heart? I would say know your why. Find your purpose. I think the main thing is to know your purpose, just to know your purpose. And people are, well, how do you find your purpose? You know your purpose. Talk to you. And one of the biggest things is that people don't, when we, when we hear the voices and we hear it, we try to say, oh, no, we can't do that. Oh, this, that's the first thing we say. Oh, we're impossible, this, that, and the other. But if you know your purpose, then everything will start to low in the place. And if you walk in that intention, it, you'll naturally be put in the places where you're supposed to be. That's just the way it goes. Now, if you, and then so, like, for me, my purpose is to help impeach people, you know, and so now, I've, like, everything I do, if I get a chance to talk and help and serve and make people smile and make people happy, I look for every type of opportunity to do that. Now, may it be a million dollars making off it or $5 I make off it or $20 I make off of it or $0 I make off it, I get more value from someone else's growth than anything because people are currency people wow more valuable than any money in the world we think money is money is just a symbol money is not real money is just a symbol of security for us but we got to keep the flow of currency which is actual people actual energy through our systems to make real changes because you can't make any money without people i mean that doesn't make any sense at all so, you know, so your why is to put people first, to value people, and to make a difference no matter what way you can, no matter beyond making money. That's your purpose, to touch the heart and the lives of as many people as you can. Well, once you choose to empower others, you empower yourself. Once you choose to build the capacity of someone else, you think yourself stronger. A lot of times we don't want to help someone else. Like, like for instance, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to help this person be a great person. But if you're helping, if you're truly helping someone develop themselves to become a better leader, better person, you're teaching that person how to become a better person. So you're remembering and you're inhaling all of the values and all of the things and you're practicing all of those things again. And so you're growing yourself. Now you have to look at that yourself. And a lot of times people just don't remember that stuff. Like you have to continue and continue to grow. And I think um, the best thing you can do is help others become great. I love watching my friends and my family all do great things. That's the best thing for me because I know if I live to be a 90 years old, when they come up, they're going to say, if they say, Dr. Jones, I'm sitting in the, uh, in the wheel of the uh, lazy boy, they say, Dr. Jones helped me out in my life and I appreciate all the things that he did. And I'm like, hey, 
I'm good with that. That's all I care about. I don't care about all the rest of the stuff. That is incredible. Um, I, I love you so much, and I hope that I get to be in contact with you <laughs> for the rest of your career. Uh, I'm so inspired. Can you give us a little insight into your daily routine? Do you pray? Do you meditate? What do you like to do that keeps you on your path? Well, now I've decided, well, we were practicing meditation. Um, 11, choose 11, 11, because it's a cool, I love, I like the number and it's a good reference point, but you know, 11, 11, try to work out. I try to, uh, try to meditate, excuse me. Um, get those things in. I try to do as much as possible. And I surround myself with, you know, stuff that helps me uh, communicate. Um, I get up, I work out, you know, now I'm teaching online. So daily I make sure I get my Zoom classes in. <laughs> no about an hour, I think there's about an hour or two hours of Zoom uh, a day, you know, but it's, it's... Are you teaching at 11 or 11 or do you get to be off at that time? I'm off at that time. Uh, I teach afternoon classes. So yeah, so I see you on TikTok a lot with a lot of really good um, meditation and um, spiritual. So do you like get into your zone then and then get to share? Or, or what, what do you hope to do with your platform? No, I, I don't know why people don't do it. This, I mean, I see, I'll encourage everybody because TikTok's about copying people, right? Like, I mean, people get mad when people copy, but I think TikTok is about copying. And the reason I did it, because I saw somebody else do it, and I was like, man, that really helped me. I'm going to do this for other people. Yeah, because we all, even if we copy, we do it in our own way. So it's just about sharing. You know, it really is. So, you know, I'd say, because when I'm making the video, I'm meditating while I'm making it. You see what I'm saying? Because you hear Mm -hmm. the sounds, you're thinking, you're focusing. You're like, man, this is a beautiful thing. It's enriching. It's a good opportunity to think. So yeah, the worst thing that could happen if you make that video is you're meditating. And that's the best place to be right now. I don't see how the hardest part of the day is when I'm not meditating. <laughs> so I like to be in that position. <laughs> so it's easy for me. And they say do what's easiest for you. You know, What can you do? And I love to think. I love to help. And so... Yeah. And I I also saw um, one of your videos about when you're getting close to manifesting what you're working towards, what it feels like. And that was really, it was really cool. Um, You start to see the synchronicities is what you said, and you feel joy and excitement. Everything just happens. It's just like, what is going on? Boom, 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 boom. You have to sit back. I really just have to take back. And just and just enjoy it, you know, because it's kind of like a. It's not a roller coaster because I I used to be scared of roller coasters, but it's kind of like you just keep moving, you keep moving, you keep moving, and it's just like if I tell my friend, I said if I could tell y'all why if I could sleep all day, I would. But there's something in me that's saying, get up, go out here, come back in. I think I was sitting on the couch earlier and I was about to get ready for this. My stomach started bumping and said, get up, get dressed, come sit over here. You got to listen to your body too because that's just, I mean, people don't, I mean, I guess if one I think I've learned in this journey is that your body is a way that the people, guys communicate with you. And you start feeling stuff, boom, 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 boom. You got to do this and something like that. They tell you, they push you everywhere you got to go. Not like it's like, it's not outside, it's inside of you. You know, like if we're here and listening, as that's if we think it's outside, we're back in religion, and that's not good. Everything's about what's inner man, what's inside of you, inside of your soul. So, I think what's important is to recognize 
that the things that are happening in your body are a collection of all the decisions, all the choices that you made, all the cells in your body are making that same choice. Everything is existing as one, as one entity within you. And so when your stomach does something, or when your eye, you know, when your ears do something, or you, you got to listen to it, you got to feel your, and that's what's important. That's why you keep your body in shape or keep it physically fit because you want your cells to react when something happens in your body and tell you what to do you know, and react in the way that you want them to react. Because they're all citizens of your universe or you're citizens of their universe. Either oh way. Oh my God, I love that. I love that. Citizens of our, my universe. Amazing. That's beautiful. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what's on the horizon for you? I know, you know, talking about manifesting, like what would you like to see in the next year for yourself? Man, um, you know, um, I hate talking about it because it's uh, it's just everything I say comes true, and so I like to keep it on there. But I put myself in the, in politics. I put myself as president. I put myself as governor. I put myself as a senator. You know, I put myself as a professor. You know, and these are all things that have been over the next year. Writing more books. Uh, I just see myself being able to help more people. And uh, I know there's opportunities out there to get that done. Um, but right now, I'm chilling at a professor because I can't be on the campaign trail with COVID around here trying to suffocate everybody. So I'll stay at the house. But, you know, that's where I, my, my, my next goal will probably be to uh, run for political office. And the way it's going in Texas, we might have to do something about Greg Abbott, you know, put up somebody that's worthy against Greg Abbott. And I think I can give him a run for his money. Oh, I know you can. I'm so excited for you. I'm so honored that you were on my podcast today. Is there anything else that you'd like to share for people struggling out there? Because we're all kind of moving towards, you know, trying to, to be our best selves and be in our heart and be as compassionate as possible. Um, I think you kind of said it when you said you would like to sleep all day, but there's something in you that just makes you keep going. Is there um, anything else you can lead to leave with us? If you're struggling out there, write it down. I want y'all to understand. Write it down. Write down the pain. Write down the struggles. Document everything you're doing. Everything that's happening. Because guess what? Nobody's doing good in the world right now. Nobody is doing good in the entire planet. Do you understand? It's a gold pandemic. So if you're struggling right now and it's hard, make some videos. Write some stuff down, document everything you're going through right now. Because guess what? We need your stories are going to be so important. Your story is going to be so important in the future. It's going to be able to tell and help the next generations and help them solve things. So we need to make sure you document everything. Don't hide in the house and say, oh, I'm here. I'm good. I'm good. Because we need to know. You know, people need to know from me in high schools and working in schools. Kids need to know what to do and how to react. That's why people are saying, oh, people are depressed and angry. If we could talk to the people from 1920s about how it was when they had the Spanish flu, about how they had lockdown, we might not have the same issues we have now. But we don't know. We don't listen to the whatever scientists. But I say the doctors, document everything you're doing. Just say, write it down. If you can't write it down, I'm not the best writer down. So I'd say, you know, speak it on a uh, podcast or you know, document it on TikTok or whatever you want to do. Just put it out there 
And don't be afraid to show people that you have the same experiences that they're on. Because I think one thing we need to understand is we're all the same. We're all in this together. We're all one. And so in order to make sure we're all one, we got to start hearing each other's stories. Because the same person, just like I'm stuck in the house over here in uh, Texas, there's, you, you're stuck, there's somebody else is stuck in the house in Zimbabwe or Germany, and they might have the same issues or same struggles as I do. You know, and might look like everything's peachy keen for me, but I guarantee you it's struggling. It's a struggle. It's not It's not an easy life. But I, I love the way it's going. And so I'm going to keep pushing. And I just encourage everyone else to keep pushing as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Jones. I've just had such an inspirational time talking with you today. I truly appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Thank you so much for listening. I have such a full heart and having the opportunity to share these beautiful stories of becoming. If you want to help me out, please subscribe to Apple podcast and rate this episode. If you would like resources, I have plenty. You can find me on Instagram at heal your hero. Join my Facebook community, the healed hero collective, or check out my website at tanyagilbert.com. That's T A W N Y A Gilbert.com. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.